Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 274, and I had a conversation with Meg's Colleen. She describes herself as a misfit, a holy outsider, and a creative. She's a life coach. She is the founder and host of the Reclamation Podcast. She grew up in an evangelical household, and as she grew up, she started to discover that how she felt about herself in relation to those around her and her religion and that kind of thing. It wasn't quite fitting, and she needed to do something in order to, as she puts it, reclaim herself, her reclamation journey. I don't know uh, very many life coaches. I've always been curious about what that means. People, I have lots of friends who have life coaches. They reference them a lot. And uh, I know that it's different than a therapist, but at the same time, it's kind of like a therapist in that it's somebody that you talk to about your wants and desires and dreams. So I said, yeah, I'd love to have this woman on the show because I'd like to know what it means to her. And we ended up talking a lot about sense of self and discovery of self. I referred to her at the beginning of the episode as Megan Johnson, that is also her name, but like myself, she goes by her first and middle name now, so Meg's Colleen it is. And I have information, of course, on the links page on heyhumanpodcast.com, where you can find her website and, and how to get a hold of her and some of the stuff we talked about. So that being said, in other news, uh, Hey Human Podcast can be found on social media, Facebook and Instagram. You can find my personal stuff under Susan Ruthism, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. HeyHumanPodcast.com, as I mentioned before, is where you go to find the links page. You can find a storefront and get Hey Human Podcast merchandise that helps support the show. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Email me, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. If you are into music, check out Susan Ruth on any of the places you find music. If you go to SusanRuth.com, you will find links as well as a place to sign up for the mailing list. And I only send those out every so often, so you will not be inundated by that. I have a lot of fun making the mailer to send out to everyone after it's done. When it's done, I think, that was fun. But before I do it, I think, ugh, I have to do this thing. You ever get like that? I'm sure you do. It's not just me. I hope it's not just me. All right, that's about it. Uh, I saw the Whirly Bird movie that last week I was saying I was going to see. And it's excellent. It's stressful and high energy and intense and visually wow. Because, you know, a lot of the footage is from a helicopter. Uh, again, Whirly Bird, it's on Amazon and I Apple. What is it called? Apple TV. And I don't get paid to say that. Um, so I don't get paid to say anything. No ads on this podcast. So everything I say, I really mean. And that is no different. It was really good. It was a little bit triggering uh, for me because um, there's some intense verbal stuff in there that just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a lot, but it was really good. So I recommend it. Just be aware that it gets intense here and there. Uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. Be kind to each other. Hang in there. Uh, what I know we're all going through a lot again. And just, you know, lift each other up. Be, be the good you want to see in the world. Okay, here we go. Megan Johnson, welcome to Hey Human. Hello, I am so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you. Where are you hailing from right now? 
Yeah, I am in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. So it's about an hour and a half or so north of Chicago. Did you grow up in Wisconsin? No, I grew up even further north. I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So pretty, yeah, the UP. So I love that you actually know what it is. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) What was that like? How was the upbringing for you? I feel like the first part is just like the Upper Peninsula of Michigan is just a gorgeous place to grow up. It really is like there's just so much nature, like lakes. I really didn't realize that you know, folks didn't have access to that in a lot of the, a lot of people's upbringing. So I grew up very connected to nature, spending lots of time outdoors. I was also homeschooled. So not only did I grow up in a town of around 200 people, <laughs> but I also was homeschooled. So I spent a lot of time, just me and my sister, our close neighbor friends, you know, just spending time in the woods, making forts, doing all the things outside. Um, but yeah, outside of that, my upbringing was definitely um, had had trauma for sure. Had a lot of issues with you know family dynamics. My parents got divorced when I was relatively young, around the age of eight. So it was very confusing. There was that was kind of my first experience with manipulation and gaslighting. Feeling really unsure of which adult I should trust. Um, which adult is telling the truth, which counselor is telling the truth, like, who do I, you know, actually, you know, divulge all of my emotions and experience to, and who do I not? Um, How do I keep myself safe? Do I, you know, all of those different questions that really came at me at a pretty young age. So um, we bounced around quite a bit living in, um, during kind of the divorce period time, Um, living in campers and things like that. So that was also a very interesting experience to be kind of moving around pretty frequently. And ultimately we settled um, in when I was, I'm trying to remember if I was 10 or 12 or something in that age um, when my mom married my stepdad. So we got to to move onto his property and that was 80 acres of of woods. So that was really gorgeous. Like I said, lots of spending time in the woods. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that time period really, and I was alongside that, I was raised very conservative Christian. So like alongside my, you know, personal life of sorts, there was kind of this religious upbringing as well, learning a lot of rules about who I should be, who I shouldn't be, how to be nice, how to be kind. Um, You know, you always believe the best in people, which those are all interesting narratives to have going alongside a divorce when really I needed to trust myself and my experience at the same time. Um, so for me with that in mind, I really did gravitate a lot towards the church as well, though, because it provided a lot of security and safety for me at the time. It was, you know, all of those rules and regulations and um, ways of moving about the world actually provided me with a lot of security that I didn't have within my home. And so I had, you know, my phases of, acting out or I don't know, whatever you want to call it, that like kind of emo period, which I think a lot of folks went through kind of in that, I don't know, it was a phase or whatever. Um, But also processing a lot and having some of those repressed memories coming up in in my, you know, developing years. Um, But then I, I quickly learned who I needed to be to be accepted, who I needed to be to excel, who I needed to be to ever leave my town. Um, And so 
with that, I really worked hard at my schoolwork. I graduated high school early. I started going to community college. I was a worship leader. I started my own photography business, really kind of took that that track of, okay, now I understand who I need to be. And not at a cognitive level necessarily, but I, I knew I want to get out of here. I need to create my own path. This is what I need to do. I'm going to work for it and I'm going to work hard to, to make that happen. So um, creativity was a huge part of my life. And so started my photography business at 15 years old <laughs> and um, got some really beautiful mentorship in that as well. Um, and then ultimately went to, to school for graphic design and evangelical Christian college. I should pause for a second. I'm just like diving into all the things. No, this is great. I'm, I'm building questions as you go. So we'll, okay, we'll, cool. we'll track back. <laughs> we'll definitely, I'll definitely track back on some things. So keep going. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I went to school at an evangelical Christian college, met my husband there after two years. I liked him for two years. He did not like me for two years, but then he decided to like me. So, um, that was, that's just kind of a side story, but it was, it was kind of fun as well, but got married pretty quickly after college, um, as most, you know, evangelical Christians do. Thankfully, my marriage partner is, is still my marriage partner and I, I love him to death. So that's beautiful. Um, but that, that experience was just really interesting. And, and after that, so I'm getting a little off track here. So really the work piece was kind of what is kind of the through line for me anyways. Like I went to school for graphic design, did some jobs at an agency, a startup accelerator, kind of part-time, some full-time, realized that that type of life was not right for me. Nine to five work just doesn't really work for me. And eventually started a marketing agency with, with a friend of mine. Um, and we had some pretty fast success pretty quickly, um, but also established a lot of um, unhealthy patterns pretty quickly. Ones that I was not really willing to see and take a look at because to me, it was all of my dreams were coming true. We moved to a, a town that I was really excited to be in or a city that I was excited to be in and starting a company, which was always my dream, you know, leaving, leaving where I'd grown up to, to do like all of my dreams were coming true. What were the unhealthy... Yeah. Uh, what were the unhealthy things? Yeah. So that is the part that really, so over time, there were just patterns of codependency. There were patterns of, of some manipulation. There were, um, on your part or toward you towards me. So I definitely played the part of codependent, um, which I think that, you know, when you look at my past, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and, there was just, even with the church, so this is kind of the piece that I found really interesting as I have kind of peeled back the layers of that experience, because ultimately that that business failed. It, it, you know, had to fold when that was kind of my catalyst to becoming a, a life coach, which is what I am now. Um, but it was really a catalyst to me in reclaiming my life, which a lot of what I um talk about now and a lot of what I, I learn and, and educate myself on is self-reclamation, being able to come home to yourself, trusting yourself. And my faith deconstruction really started at that point as well. When I realized what someone was saying is not matching up with what they're doing. That was a really big piece for me. So um, I'm trying to remember, what was your question? 
Uh, it was uh, what what caused the work to implode. Yeah, so it was really just ultimately it kind of reached a head when I was starting. I started to experience a lot of just body issues where my I was fatigued all the time. I was getting migraines all the time. I had cystic acne, and all of those pieces were resulting in just you know, I had inner turmoil. So I was constantly going over my thoughts every night, not able to sleep. What am I doing wrong? How do I need to change? What am I saying wrong? Every time I try to say something right, it comes like it comes out wrong. When I try to speak up for myself, it comes out wrong. Like all of those pieces were really ultimately what, when I reached out for support, I got a chiropractor and a life coach and that it became apparent to me that I was not standing up for myself, that I was being manipulated or used, which I I feel like the word manipulation is a very strong word. So I don't love using that word per se, because I think a lot of us actually do that. A lot of us have tendencies. And that's the piece that I think is very connected to the um, evangelical fundamentalism, where oftentimes we're taught to invalidate another's experience at the expense of what is right or what should be, or, you know, you should be able to figure this out. You should be able to, you know, whatever. And it invalidates the other person's experience causing a lot of these patterns of of codependency, of power over manipulation, Um, even though manipulation, again, is that really strong word for it. So for me, it was just kind of this, slow unraveling when I was able to notice those things and starting to stand in my ground, like stand my ground, starting to use my voice. And it kind of just imploded from there. How um, did your husband uh, deal with the change? Cause once, once you're with somebody, if they're not growing with you, things get a little cattywampus. So how did that yeah. work? Yeah. I love that you, you bring that up. Yeah. Um, it was honestly, that felt so incredibly natural. And I feel very grateful that it was so natural. Um, yeah, my, my husband and I grew a lot together. We learned to disagree, which I think was really good. Cause even if, I, when I look back on our marriage, when we first got married was this belief that we kind of had to be on the same page all the time, you know, like you had to have equal yokes or whatever. And like, that's the, the church mindset where we have to kind of have the same belief systems. And throughout that time, he really had my back, which was really beautiful when it came to all of the business stuff. But then also when I started unraveling the, the church aspect of it, we came to a place where we recognized we may have different beliefs on some of this stuff. How are we going to deal with that? What are our thoughts around all of these things? How can we hold space for one another? And um, it actually came pretty naturally where we like, we did it. We did it. I don't really know how else to put words to it because, but basically like, I think you can kind of go a couple ways with that. And and we were extremely, I don't know, like lucky, I suppose, <laughs> to be well, able to both kind of be on the same path. Yeah. It sounds like you showed up for each other, which I think is half the battle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like even when we disagreed, we were able to say, 
we're still here. We're still in this together. Like, let's figure it out. And we still do that now. Sometimes we have conversations and it's interesting now because, um, so like life coaching is a very big part of my journey. It's now what I've changed my career to, but I also have a life coach and probably will always have a life coach, but my husband has his life coaches now too. And so that's always interesting as well, because we're actually something that I think is interesting about the self-development world and just like in general, in life, sometimes we can learn a term, but then to someone else, the term means something different. So sometimes my husband and I will be having a conversation. We actually have to redefine different words because our separate kind of like spaces we're learning from use words differently. Um, but it's just that kind of continual process of talking about things, communication, um, having the compassion to hear where another person is coming from. And I think that that like is any relationship really when you can have that space and compassion to notice what a, a person's experience is. That's like, that's the whole thing. <laughs> it certainly helps. I want to go back uh, to some of the beginning things you were talking about and touch on. So yeah. you, the house, the house you grew up in was tumultuous and you said that you were unsure. It's a lot to put on an eight year old or a nine year old. Uh, which of course would create a lot of trust issues uh, going forward. Was there an under, do you say you have siblings? I, yeah, I have a younger sister and then I have an older sister and older brother, but they're actually from, they're like half, but we are, they're half brother and sister, but we don't really con consider them half brother and sister. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> and there's also that sense, I think, with siblings where you're trying to also not only nurture yourself and take care of yourself, but you're trying to take care of each other. Yeah. Too. yeah. Where, where did you find space to be combative in that environment to stand up for yourself? Or did you just go along to get along at that point? It was a mix. I feel like most of the time I was just living from a state of confusion um, trying to get people to get along you know, you know, like as a child, just like, I don't understand why can't everybody get along? Like, what if you looked at it? Like, you know, and there were, I can remember some moments just being asked to almost counsel the adults that I was with. It's like, now looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I tried so hard. Like poor little, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but also like my responses were always, you know, what you would as assume a young child to say, like, well, can we get along? Like, can't you listen to each other? Like, you know, all of that type of stuff while at the same time also recognizing that there was something off. And I think that again, looking at that and then looking at my experiences going into adulthood, of course it's difficult. It was difficult for me to call out shit when, when I saw it, cause I didn't get to do that at a young age. So yeah, it was a lot of confusion, not a lot of calling out when it, there probably should have been. And as you grew through the church in the beginning, especially being homeschooled, which gives you a very specific view of the world, do you did you have a did you have a belief in what you were hearing and learning, or was there already an individual starting to brew up in you? Um, I think there were there was a little bit of both, where there were moments when I was definitely my own spirit, my own weird, quirky self. Um, but I actually, like, I am still a very spiritual person and that's something I still deeply connect with. Um, I would say this, the spirit element of things is what I, 
I connected to very deeply and the sense of belonging that it, it provided. I didn't really have eyes to see where belonging may not have been present. And that's kind of what I recognized later down the road is like, oh, actually belonging is quite conditional here. And I didn't <laughs> see that before. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the time, I think it felt very real to me and the spirit element well, it, it, I would word it very differently now. Um, it's kind of been a through line and that is still a piece that I connect to and I find really interesting and I think can provide a lot of connection for people. But it's like the, the dogma that's a lot of the issue, I think. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting too that as you were talking about when you made the decision, I'm going to, you know, go, go to college. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be this successful person. It's going to look like this, that Mm -hmm. you were building masks also for that. You were turning, you know, becoming whatever it was you thought was the thing that looked like the thing. Part of it that, that probably felt like in some sense, self-preservation, but we all have to fashion masks because I, I think it's important to see who you, what you intend to become, like the fake it till you make it. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It Like it was, even when I look at that, like, I feel like there's so much of both in there where it was like, who do I need to be to be safe? How can I get, you know, creating those masks so that I could move forward. And there are still threads of me in there. Like as I've gone through my, you know, what I call my reclamation journey, as I'm reclaiming myself and rediscovering who is Megan, I don't even know, like rediscovering myself. There's still, there's threads of myself in there. The creativity, like the, at the core level, I'm still in there, but the way I went about it and likely just the, yeah. Yeah. The way I went about it maybe was different than, what it would have been without the conditioning that I had. I think it's a challenging question for anyone to ask somebody, mm-hmm. who are you? Who yeah. are you? Oh, yeah. And then when they answer to say, why are you that? And to see how far down the, why are you that you can go with it? Yeah. Well, and I think we're, we're always different people. So when we ask ourselves, well, who are you? The, the me that I am now is different than the me that I was before I got on this call and so on. So I think there's that, there's a beautiful piece of that too, where we always have the opportunity to, you know, we can get to know ourselves and we get to redefine ourselves as we desire. Poked around on your podcast. I love the, yeah. the idea of the reclaiming of so every guest uh, is reclaiming some part of themselves within the episode. And I love mm-hmm. that. Because as children, we are told who we are and what we are and what to do and how to think and how to breathe. Yeah. You don't need real, you don't even need religion for that. I mean, that's just. A, oh, yeah, totally. Nature. Culturally, yeah. there are so many narratives. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and of course, you say, oh, I was raised evangelical. And that immediately to anyone listening is like, oh, man, that's unless you were raised in that. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I get that. You know, there's uh-huh. always. There's always a, a, a picture in one's mind when somebody yeah, says, totally. I, I am blank. Um, but I, I do love those those ideas, those concepts of, of reclaiming certain parts of oneself that you may not even know aren't there until you stumble over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's been super interesting. And I, I do love that part of, of the podcast, getting to hear what different people are reclaiming. And there's always like, depending on where you came from and and your story, it really, 
it's beautiful to see how everyone has a different reclamation story. Everyone has something different to reclaim. Like for me, I wouldn't say that body image, like, well, of course I'm insecure at times. It wasn't like a huge part of my story. Mine was more mindset, like my brain and how I think, like I had to reclaim that and reclaim, you know, those parts of me. So it's interesting to see how we each process the world differently and that's where we're all unique and so that's always really cool to hear and very eye-opening because there's like there's our I feel like there's large pieces of ourselves that we can be reclaiming but there's also small pieces like a word that maybe comes to us from culture or you know different products that we've inserted into our lives and they you know we've defined ourselves potentially around a, a type of, you know, product that we purchase that we think we need and we can actually reclaim and, and look at that differently too. Um, there's just all the different things, which I think is interesting. When you look at marketing, we're told you need this to be whole. You need this to be beautiful. You need this product. You need this thing. You need this water. You need this item. You need this clothing. And that's that was my whole job was to pitch things to people that essentially told them you need this in order to be whole, that you need this to be worthy. And so I think oftentimes we have to reclaim ourselves from the marketing that's around us. So that's yeah. part of that cultural stuff. So we may think that we need this product in order to be worthy, but the reality is you're already worthy. You're already whole. And yeah, there's, that's, I think the piece is like, that's the core level. And we get to kind of peel back all of the, the many layers and the many items and the many stories we've been told along the way to kind of come home to that piece of, oh, I'm already whole and I'm already worthy. I'm enough, like just myself. A multi-billion dollar industry doesn't want you to feel whole. That is for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's funny, I think about people who are therapists, for example, generally the therapists I know became therapists because they were trying to touch a part of themselves that they, they were trying mm -hmm. to figure out. And then we'd, we'd learn everything about ourselves through others and, and all that jazz. Um, life coaches that I have talked to, it's the, the term life coach is such a ethereal one to me. Um, yeah. It's generally people that have had in some way or another, not that we haven't all had this, but a tumultuous start to life. Mm -hmm. um, so my question is, why do you think your what you're doing is the thing that is the thing for people to help them? I personally, I love the idea of reclaiming a sense of self. Mm -hmm. But when you and I first talked about coming on the show, yeah, I was like, well, the life coach thing isn't that interesting to me. What's behind it? What was the the impetus to it? Is what's the interesting thing to me? And yeah. now here we are in this moment in conversation, and I'm like, okay, now. How if, if somebody comes to you, what is the process and the practice? And then also when you're getting coached, a life coach that needs a life coach, you know, a therapist that needs a therapist, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not unheard of. And so let's yeah. talk about that a bit. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like first I have to kind of go back a little bit because, um, so when I was in that situation where I was just, you know, my body was kind of shutting down, not happy with me. I had reached a, a precipice of sorts where I needed to choose something different. I had to 
it was a pivotal moment for me, I, I suppose, in my life where, um, you know, my body wasn't happy. I was trying to please other people, but I was very unconscious to a lot of those stories. I just thought I needed to change that. I was, I was the problem. Um, uh, life coaching came into my awareness and like it was mentioned to me. And so I was like, well, I'm going to, I'll hire a life coach. I was ex- like, I don't know. I feel like I attracted the perfect life coach for what I needed at the time. And she was the one who really helped me to start asking myself questions to rediscover my wholeness. And I think the interesting thing for me with life coaching, and again, that's why I think I'm so glad that I found the life coach that I did because there are life coaches for all different kinds of things. And I had no idea what I was getting into. Just hired the first life coach that I found that I was like, oh, I like her pictures. Cool. Well, great. I'm so glad that I hired the right one because now I know so much more about it. Um, But yeah, life coaching is a really interesting industry because like the coach that I hired and I actually still continue to work with her, Madison Morgan, she's fantastic. Her philosophy essentially is exactly that. Like you are already whole. And she continues to point me back to myself, asking me questions so that I get to hear my intuition more, asking me questions so I get to um, co-create and cultivate the life that I desire through so many different things that are just so important, like right relationship through personal sovereignty, through, um, you know, integrity and and congruence and all of these different pieces. So she's extremely gifted and, and skilled in those different pieces, but there's coaches for all these other things as well. Um, like, you know, parenting coaches and, you know, career coaches and as you know, there's coaches for all kinds of things. Um, but with your question, so it was kind of just kind of just to dive into some of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, working with a coach was what I needed to learn to accept myself and to remember that I don't need to change for other people. That if someone's telling me that I'm not enough. If someone's telling me that I need to say I'm sorry all the time, I actually can hand that back. I can, you know, I can say that this person is is not for me anymore and that's okay. Um, It's okay for me to be in places that are, people are just like not comfortable with me. That's okay. Again, giving me permission as well to ask questions then about my faith. Something that if I made anyone just like uncomfortable in my faith community, that wasn't really okay. It wasn't okay to ask questions. So my coach provided a lot of safe space. So for me going through that journey, I like kind of what you had said where, you know, oftentimes therapists become a therapist because they're, you know, working through their own healing. They're doing that, going on their own journey. And really that's what that was for me as well. And as I went on my journey, I recognized I did not resonate in the same way that I used to with marketing and graphic design. I still love the creative aspect. I call myself a life coaching creative consultant because I have that background. I have that skill set. That's what my degree is in. Um, and now I'm certified as a life coach as well, but I had to renew my relationship with marketing. And at the time I needed to kind of do a hard pivot for myself because that relationship, even just with marketing was not healed at the time. So life coaching really allowed me to notice, well, underneath 
a lot of the things that I wanted to do, even going back to high school and photography, I wanted to help people. I wanted them to see their authentic selves. Like I remember being 15 and being like, I just want people to see them the way that I see them, that kind of mindset, which is really beautiful. And, and a, you know, got lost along the way because hashtag adulting in real life, but I wanted to kind of come back to that core message of what do I want to do in this world? How do I want to show up in this world? What is, when I look back on my life, what is the work that I actually want to do? And life coaching felt like a really beautiful space for that and has continued to be that. Um, And now I've gotten to reintroduce some of those marketing pieces, but from a place of integrity and a different relationship to it than what it was previously. So I think that's also really beautiful. Um, Yeah. That's kind of a little mess of all kinds of things. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How does one learn to be a life coach? That's always fascinated me as well. You sit in a classroom and someone says, you know, this is the ABCs of basic therapy and the ABCs of basic, you know, Jungian philosophies and, you know, things like that. Or what's, what's the gist? Life coaching is such an interesting industry because it's not regulated yet. Um, so there is the International Coaching Federation that seeks to regulate it a bit more. Um, and then there are a lot of people, you can call yourself a life coach without any certification or education. And there are a lot of um kind of branches underneath that. So there's smaller spaces that offer certification with, you know, such and such a company or such and such a whatever. So I am certified with Beautiful You Coaching Academy. I'm also getting certified as an NLP um, practitioner. And so you can add on different certifications. And essentially, you know, every every life coaching certification will look different because you can go on um, what's there's like one of those sites where you can get your certification in like three hours or something like that. You know, it's because it's unregulated. It's very unique. Um but you kind of have to gauge that for yourself. So again, that's where I think that um, I'm grateful that I found a good life coach (laughs) because there's a lot of stuff out there, but in the same way you can find people that are are not good at what they do across any field. So it doesn't certification doesn't necessarily mean anything or or degrees even. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a lot of classes and practice and learning about a lot of their or a lot of um, life coaching is rooted in cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's a lot of question asking, learning to reframe a, like how you're looking at a situation. Um, life coaches, we typically focus on the present and the future. So how, who do you want to be? How do you want to live your life versus processing the past? There are trauma coaches, which I think is an interesting space. I don't know that much about it, so I can't speak to it. Um, but like for me, I focus on the present and the future. And with that, a lot of you know, a lot of those kind of base level mindset tools are what life coaches utilize. And we learn how to, how to use those with clients. So did that answer that question? It did. It did. As you said, you found your life coach. I imagine that's sort of one of those things where people almost fall into it Mm -hmm. in a way of, of needing, you know, they're like, oh, I need something to help my life, but I don't want to really go to therapy. That sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, as you met yours, people just sort of, 
how does one find you? I guess I'm trying to ask. It, it seems like such an, again, ethereal concept. Yeah. Yeah. So I think every, every life coach is different. Um, a lot of my clients come from friends of friends. They also come from master classes and workshops that I teach. So as part of my own marketing strategy, marketing and sales strategy, I you know host workshops, I host master classes, I do free my personal power reset, things like that to like get myself out in front of people. Um, but every life coach is different. Um, but yeah, a lot of my clients have come from those spaces googling all that good stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I feel like that's similar to, to therapy in some ways where you may Google something and find yeah. somebody serendipitously, I suppose. <laughs> Is it hard to get people in the beginning to really uh, open up? Or do you think once they find you, they're ready sort of as they are with therapy? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, every client's a little bit different thus far. Um I like to have initial free consultations so I can kind of gauge where a client's at. Typically, though, I would say the clients that work with me because we're working on present and future versus past, they're ready to dive in and kind of go like go for things. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have to dive into the past, which I think is kind of a beautiful thing about life coaching. It is like we can move forward. I, I believe we can move forward to a certain degree um, without having to process every tiny little piece. But then at the same time, as someone who's experienced trauma, it's also very important to move through those pieces. So I think that's that's where for me in that initial consultation phase, we can talk about stuff and, and start to hear, okay, is life coaching the right option for you right now? Would some other type of therapy be a better option? Um but typically, yeah, the people that I work with are pretty ready to to move forward and dive in. Yeah. Right, let's get back to your past again. Yeah. Is there a, a rift at all in your family because you have moved out of the church pur- purview and things like that? Or did, did they accept the fact that you are reclaiming yourself? Um, it's a bit of both, I suppose, where... There is some acceptance um, and there's also some uncertainty and more so I've noticed with um, other relationships. So I feel like <laughs> with family, it's it's felt, you know, it's like a little prickly, like kind of feeling. I think that's a good, good thing where like sometimes everything seems fine and then other times I'm like, hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's happening here, but this is not quite, not quite what it used to be. (laughs) Um, But it's actually friendships and like uh, kind of those outer relationships that took more of a hit um, and that I've noticed, but I I try to just hand those back. Um, Like, especially when I started becoming more public about it, I would receive DMs and things like that you know, reminding me that I'm a sinner and that I can't trust my heart and things like that. Um, How do you respond to that? When you get that kind of stuff, what's your response generally? I either don't respond, depending on who it is. If I don't really know them, I'll block them. That's Mm -hmm. what it's for. And um, again, depending on who they are, I may just say, hey, like this is, this is my, you know, 
my boundary is I, I would prefer if you don't bring this up, like I, I would not come into your space and do this to you. Please don't do the same to me. I will block you if you do that sort of thing. It really just depends on the person though, kind of gauging what type of boundary I need to set. Um, yeah. I'm always amazed at how people feel personally threatened by someone else's private life. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. And like people that you don't really even know, maybe have never even talked to in person suddenly are like in your space. And you're like, well, why are you here? We, I don't even know. You. <laughs> yeah, it's very bizarre. What are the plans for your future? Where are you headed? Oh gosh, that's a good question. All the places, all the things. Um, yeah, currently I'm in a, a certification program in NLP, which is neurolinguistic programming, and I'm really excited about that. Um, just ongoing growth. I I have a lot of goals for myself. Um, but I'm also a very, I don't know, part of my process I think has been accepting as well that I, I like to hold things a little bit more loosely than I used to. And instead of setting really hard and fast goals, I like to set, you know, I like to set a lot of intentions and, you know, move towards them, but also kind of hold them loosely and play with it, allow life to be a little more playful than it used to be. So, yeah. That's great goals. And <laughs> <laughs> not taking oneself seriously, too seriously is, is a pretty healthy way to live one's life for sure. How can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at megscolleen.com. So that's M-E-G-S-C-O-L-L-E-E-N.com. And I'm Megs Colleen, um, just at Megs Colleen, kind of across social media. I spend the most time on Instagram, um, though I spend less time on Instagram than I used to because it's beautiful to be on podcast interviews where I get to talk with real people and you guys get to listen in. And it's great. We get to have more nuanced conversation than just on Instagram. So um, also podcast interviews. I love doing those. So, oh, yeah. Talk about your podcast a little bit. Just but I know we touched on it with with what you're doing, but just how to yeah. find it. And that kind of thing. Totally. So my podcast is called The Reclamation Podcast. You can find it kind of across all podcast platforms um, or thereclamationpodcast.com. And every month, so I've, I've been trying to get really consistent with every, the first of every month, I will release at least one episode, um, sometimes more, but usually, usually just one or two. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of it work. It is. Right? It's a big commitment. Um, it's yeah. fun, but yeah. For sure. Yeah, I get that. Now, do you prefer the uh, Meg, Meg's Colleen? Is that or because I, I refer to you as Megan Johnson, which is the the name that, you know, when, when we first met. So what's yeah. your preference? All of the above. So typically okay. in a conversation, people call me Megan. Some people call me Meg. Um, I'm good with both of those. Meg's Colleen is kind of my brand name. Colleen is my middle name. Um, and that was the name of my aunt. And so it still feels very like close to my heart, which I, yeah. I love that it's part of my brand in that way. Um, but yeah, typically in a conversation, I'm, I'm Meg or Megan. So Okay. Well, that's good to know. It's I have a friend in Nashville named Megan Johnson, also a redhead. So, oh, <laughs> look at that. I uh, know. I have a question about when people come or anyone listening. Let's just strike that. For someone who's listening to this right now, who maybe is struggling with a sense of self and yeah. and someone especially that might be steeped in 
whether it be religion or a strict household or or something, what, could you offer up a little bit of advice to them to, to shine a little light for them to follow? Yeah. The biggest practice, and I feel like it sounds kind of simple, but the biggest practice is really starting to connect to your emotions and just noticing in those spaces, what are your emotions telling you? Um, I feel like for me, in my experience and what I see for my clients, a lot of times is we downplay our emotions or, or we may hide them when we're in those spaces. We, we try to fit so much into the box of, you know, this is what I have to be, or I shouldn't be feeling that emotion. And instead just notice the emotion first and say, okay, I'm feeling angry. What is my anger telling me? Or I'm feeling um, sad or unsure why what's what's behind that what is that telling me because there's a lot of information and sometimes even putting like if my anger had a voice what would it be saying can be a helpful practice to that just learning to hear the messages underneath those emotions because then that can help inform the way you get to respond and the way that you start to co-create instead of just allowing kind of all those things to happen to you. Um, that would be a really beautiful place to start and kind of starting to develop that, that self-trust muscle. Sure. That's great advice. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, you had really good questions and I feel like I, I like, hopefully I answered them well and it was a really beautiful time. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I think you did great. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great wherever you are, whatever you are and uh, keep kicking ass. Bye. Bye. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.